0: Picking up tonight where we left off this morning, open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 2 Corinthians 5 It is uh, the last week of December, uh, 2012, a new year on us Uh, I I recognize that like me, a lot of you are perhaps thinking about goals to set for next year or New Year's resolutions, Uh, we all tend to do that sort of thing uh, so today I've really felt led to preach about change, to talk about change. I tried to preach that hard this morning, uh, the promise and the obligation uh, that salvation brings for us to change. It's beautiful. It's, it's good news, uh, but it's difficult. And almost as soon as you hear the word change or, or even as you dream about it and long to make changes in your own life, it's, it's as if that gets snatched away. Uh, and the thing that goes through my mind, the things that goes through your mind is probably uh, just the simple um, thought uh, that I'll never change. Uh, Do you ever think that, just how hard it is? Uh, this morning I opened with a very short little illustration about the couple that did their New Year's diet and it all fell apart and they said there's always next year. Um, that's funny, it's also really, really sad, isn't it? Because in one way or the other, we all experience that. Uh, that desire to change, we, we try as hard as we can. Uh, and then it seems to fall flat, and, and it seems like we never change, like, like nothing ever changes. Why do you think that is? Why is it when, when we try to make positive changes in our own life, even the changes that Christ wants for us, why do we so often experience total failure? What do you think? Yeah, we're trying to make the changes in our own power. And, and, and you can't do it. If you could do it without Christ, you'd have already done it. I said that. I've said it over and over. It's not in you to change. Whenever a person is talking about change, that's always spiritual language. You need Christ and the power of Christ to, to truly change. So, so often we're doing it in our own power, not in Christ's power. Yeah. What else? I think very simply, as I said this morning, change is fundamental, it's, it's ingredient to the, to the Christian life, it is conversion, after all. And so since change is so much a part of what Christ wants to do, since that is His work in us, to help us to become more like Him, then, then obviously when we begin to focus on change and we begin to desire that change that Christ has for us, then the enemy is going to come right along at that moment. At that moment, and and try to snatch that away from us. It is the devil who wants to convince you that you'll never change. And and I would say that is probably the devil's number one lie. It's his number one lie. Remember, the devil has no real power in your life. He really can't do anything. He can't stop you. He's not stronger than Christ. He's not even stronger than Christ in you. Did you understand? He only has the power you give him. And he only has the power to lie but he lies well, and unfortunately a lie that is believed to be true uh, affects you as if it were true. So when the devil tells you you'll never change, it'll never work for you, you're stuck, you'll always be this way, your family's always gonna be this way, nothing will ever change. If you believe that, then honestly it it begins to operate as if it were true, even though it's his number one lie. It's simply his number one lie so this is spiritual warfare it's always spiritual warfare and spiritual warfare as I've said before happens in your thought life so when the devil gives you the lie that you'll never change you have to find a way according to 2nd Corinthians to, to to take that truth and, and conform it to the truth of Christ to so take that lie to take that thought captive make it conform to the truth of Christ and the truth is found in 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 really concentrate on verse 17 but I want to read the whole passage here so that we can get a sense of the new creation we are in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Start with verse 14. With me right there in verse 14. He's talking about whether or not he's crazy. Maybe I'm crazy, maybe I'm not. But he says, either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. So important. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. So we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, but how differently we know him now. This means that, here's the verse, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a... New person, new creature. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Make that your memory verse this week, underline that, learn that verse. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. One of my favorite verses. He who knew no sin became sin itself so that we could become the righteousness of, of Christ. Okay, obviously, according to this passage and according to the gospel, Jesus's death changes the way I live. Jesus's death has affected the way I live, but apparently there there are two options. One is is the wrong, one is the right way to go, but there, there are two options when it comes to my life. You find them in verse 15. What are my two options? Verse 15, one is the wrong way to go, one is the right way to go, but it's a perpetual struggle for us. I can either live for myself or I can live for Christ. Okay, let's define that. What does it mean to live for yourself? Yeah, Very simply, to do what I want to do. How is that not, how is that not a good way to live? I mean, to do what I want to do. I mean, because honestly, that's the philosophy of the world. That that's how most everybody you know. And honestly, a lot of us, if we had to be honest, that's how we live. We just live based on what we want to do. We live for ourselves. What else? What does that mean, to live for yourself? Do what you want to do. Yeah, to, to do it my way. Yeah, my goodness, that, that's an anthem for, for, for the American culture, to, to do it my way. I don't have to follow anybody else. I can just simply do it my way. What else? Yeah, not to be accountable. And that's, that's an excellent point and very important for a lot of us. We avoid accountability. We don't want to live for anybody else. We really don't like when other people have a say in our lives. So honestly, to live for myself means I don't have to answer to anybody else. I don't have to conform to somebody else's rules. I don't have to take very seriously other people's opinions. can just live for myself without any accountability to others. That sounds pretty good now, doesn't it? What else? To live for yourself. What's it mean? Yeah, and and this is where we cross into the spiritual life. Not recognizing God's authority. Now, to be very simple, why is that so important? Why must I Do things God's way and not my way. Why must I yield and surrender my way to his way? Why is that so important? I mean, what happens if I just do it my way? Well, it's a disaster for some people, Jim. but we're talking about me. It's going to be different for me. The rules don't necessarily apply to me. I mean, you people could crash and burn, but it's me. I'm different. Isn't that the way we like to think? The rules don't necessarily apply to us. That's that's how we tend to reason this out. I mean, other people get in trouble when they do it their way, but these are dumb people. I'm smart. I'm different. Am I? What happens when we do it our way? There is a way that seems right to everyone, but that way leads to destruction. What's that mean? Yeah, de- death, destruction, does that apply to everybody? Yeah, absolutely. It absolutely applies to, to everyone. It is not that God is up in heaven trying to figure out ways to ruin your good time. It is not that God is up in heaven trying to figure out a way to, to, to cramp your style. Somehow to, to, to ruin your swag. You understand? That's not God. God truly knows who you are. He created you. He knows what's in you. He wants to bring out the very best in you. He wants to bless your life beyond anything you can ask for or imagine. God wants to prosper you and bless you and give you a hope and a future. Surely you understand this. And that's why surrendering to God is so important. I won't get there without the Lord i will never find my life because it's hidden with christ in god remember i can't do this without him so very honestly to follow christ is the only way to to find the the desires of my own heart it's the only way to realize and recognize god's great plan and purpose for me i can't do this doing it my way i cannot live for myself and have the life that, that I dream of. It just doesn't work that way. God knows what's best. God can see the future. God can see inside of me. God knows and God loves and God leads me into the very future that He created me for. If, if there was any way that we could ever absorb that truth, that God wants to bless us, that God wants to save us, that God intends only, only to prosper us. But somehow we believe the devil's lies, that the Lord somehow only wants to destroy our fund, that the Lord somehow wants to only send us to Africa or someplace far away, and that, and that to surrender to him will be misery. That's just not true. It's just simply not true. Christ's love controls us since we believe, verse 14, that Christ died for all. We also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ. So again, two options here. One is the wrong way. You don't live for yourself. You're supposed to live for Christ. Now, what does that mean? to live for Christ let's put it in words that somebody who never understood this never heard it could understand it by listening to us talk about it what's it mean to live for Christ yeah what do you say Andrew? yeah with with his priorities in mind if Nicole says that to live for myself means not to be accountable then to live for Christ means to be accountable to Christ I want to follow his priorities. I want my desires to to bend and conform and disappear in the desires of Christ. I want to live for him, not for myself. What else? Yeah, total obedience to him. Now again, total obedience sounds like a drag to you and me. We're trained to think that obedience is something for children or, or something for slaves. But guess what? I want to be a slave to him. Because that's where freedom is found. If I try to find freedom by following my my own desires, I will end up a slave every time. A slave to sin. But when I seek to be a slave to Christ, that's when I'm set free. I know it doesn't make sense because we're talking about spiritual things here. This isn't exactly logical. It's spiritual truth. Spiritual truth. I want to live in total obedience to him because that's when I'll find real freedom. I know that that's true. You know that as well if you follow Christ. Total obedience to live for Christ. What else? What's it mean to live for Christ? For his purpose? Yeah, absolutely. For his purpose, for his glory? Everything I do is for him. It's directed toward him. It's, it's before him. He died for everyone so that those who receive this new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ Who died and was raised for them wow we also believe so that we all who believe have have died to the old self the the old life paul says so if i'm dead like this if i've died with christ and you could say that i'm dead i've died to the old life why is it that if i've died i keep running into me every day I mean, typically when somebody dies, it's a really sad thing. We have a funeral, but, but you don't keep seeing them around. And you understand? I mean, they're dead. Dead. And the scripture says that I died like that with Christ. But, but my, my question is, my, my trouble is, if I've died, why, why am I still always in my own way? It is a spiritual thing. It's, it's a spiritual death. But if I died, how come I keep coming back? It's like the walking dead. What you say, Rhonda? Yeah, Paul even goes so far to say he has to die daily. He, he, he dies daily. It, it really is a surrender. It's a kind of deliberate putting myself at the cross of Christ that I have to choose sometimes multiple times a day. Yeah, it's, it's hard. One day, Billy Graham tells a story of being on an airplane. And and Dr. Graham was uh, in an airplane, and the guy right in front of him, in the seat in front of him, uh, got really sloppy drunk. He was probably drunk when he got on the plane, and then he continued to drink in flight. Uh, He became louder and louder, more and more obnoxious, very, very profane, just uh, overall a, a nightmare to be on a plane with right in front of Billy Graham. So the flight attendant tried in every way to calm, to quiet, to control this man. And finally she said, sir, I don't know if you understand this or not, but Dr. Billy Graham is sitting right behind you. That's a stewardess now pulling out the big guns. Billy Graham is behind you. And the drunk guy says, really? So he got up around and said, Dr. Billy Graham, I love you. I went to hear you preach at one of your crusades. And it changed my life. (laughs) Oh, really? Changed my life. Wow. Y'all know about that kind of change? Um, Honestly, we say that change is difficult. Change is inevitable. I'm changing. You're changing. I'm not even aware sometimes of how I'm changing, but I know I'm not the same person I was 20 years ago, 30 years ago. I'm, I'm just changing. You don't always realize how you're changing until you watch young people behind you. If you have children, if you have nieces and nephews, you watch them grow and change, and, and then you realize how you must be changing as well. I've got a son, 18-year-old son. I, I love my son. But I still feel like I should be 18. You know, you know what I mean? It's just really bizarre sometimes to realize that, that, that I am a, an old man. I am past the age my father-in-law was at my wedding. Now, that just blows my mind he was an old man at my wedding i mean i thought you know we'll get married and put him right in a home soon I- i'm older now than he was at, at, at casey my our wedding that that's that's just bizarre i can remember uh being a teenager i'd ride around with mark mackerel we'd ride around in his car because he had a really really good stereo and sound system we would play loud music we would listen to cameo and alligator woman Do y'all know this song Mark's probably still driving and listening to it. So get in Mark's car, crank it up, alligator woman. We would just ride around. The music would be so loud and we felt so awesome. Y'all don't understand how awesome we were, how awesome we felt. And honestly, I still feel like that guy. But then I got in my son's car and he's playing other music. You know, my son's playing his music. If if I played alligator woman, Wade would think that's just the, the, the weirdest song ever. And so you get in Wade's car and he cranks up this music and Wade has a pretty awesome sound system. He has what's called a subwoofer. I don't think you ever had a subwoofer, Mark, but Wade has a subwoofer under the passenger seat. Okay, that's where I sit. And so he cranks the music up and I can feel the vibration in my seat. And honestly, this is how I know I'm getting old because I'm afraid it's going to loosen my bowels. You understand? It's just this vibration, and the music is so loud. And I'm just thinking, oh my goodness, can we just turn this down? I mean, it's the weirdest sensation to feel that coming up through your seat. And and it's just weird to become that old man that's thinking the music is too loud. And I'm trying really hard not to tell him how to drive, because that's what Casey does. And, And I don't want... I don't want to be that old man that says, turn the music down and and keep your eyes on the road. Stop, wait, stop. I mean, I I try so hard. When did I become that old man? When when did that even happen? Because I never intended to change like that. I never intended. And, And yet, it just happens. We do change. So on the one hand, we say that change is very difficult, that change is next to impossible, but... But in reality, we're constantly changing in ways we don't even understand or sometimes realize. Change is very natural for us. We never stay the same. You you never push pause on your personality. You never push pause in a particular phase of your life. You, You do not stay the same. You're always changing. So why is it so hard to change to become like Christ? I mean, these other changes I did apparently in my sleep while well, I wasn't paying any attention. But, but if I want to honor Christ and, and truly become the man that he wants me to be, I find those changes next to impossible. I never seem to change automatically for the better, only the worse. Why is this? It's what, it's what Paul calls the old self, the, 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 old, the old nature the, that we have to die to it's it's just so difficult and again i remind you this is the spiritual life this is where the rubber meets the road for your faith so so the devil has a a very deliberate deliberate means of opposing you here you know for me one of the biggest strongholds of the devil is just memory just the fact that that i can remember scientists are apparently having a lot of success with a pill that lets you forget it all. Have you read this? A, a, a pill that, that now you can give a person and literally will erase parts of their memory. They're using it to treat soldiers coming back from, fr- from the wars, those who have suffered incredible trauma, post-traumatic stress. That they're treating them with a pill now that will erase the parts of their memories. It will literally allow you to forget those worst days in battle. They're also having some success with this little forget-it-all pill with addicts. People who are addicted to alcohol or drugs because they can give them this pill and help that person forget how wonderful it feels to be high. Because, see, if you can forget that, part of that craving is gone. A pill to let you forget. Why doesn't God... Give me something like that when I come to him in salvation. I mean, wouldn't that be wonderful? Not just that I, I put the old self to death, but if I could just forget about that guy altogether. If I could just forget all of the past sins. If I could forget some, sometimes the attraction and the appeal of sin. If I could just have that wiped clean out of my mind. Why doesn't something like that happen in this spiritual life? Can you answer me? wow, yeah, it's it's very truly that the evidence of the transformation, it's it's my story to be able to say that this is who I was and and this is the difference that Christ has made and and this is who Christ is making me to be. Yeah, Rebecca, that's so beautiful. It it truly is the, the evidence of his work in my life. Yeah, incredible gratitude. If I were not to remember uh, the depths uh, of my sin, then I could not know uh, the greatness of the Savior. The the gratitude in remembering what, what he's brought me from. Yeah, also to remember those consequences, to remember the lessons I've learned. I don't want to go back to that, and I remember why. I remember the pain. I remember uh, the, the 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 hole that, that sin dragged me into. Absolutely. I don't want to go back to that. Yeah, M- memory. Uh, there are other strongholds. I, I think that sometimes relationships are strongholds. Sometimes it's the people in my life that make it difficult to change, the people in your life. The thing is... Uh, Change for one is usually change for all, especially inside a family. That's why if you've ever been married and you tried to live for Christ and you were not equally yoked, your spouse was pulling in the opposite direction. Very, very difficult to change. Very difficult. Sometimes even when your spouse is making changes that you like. Your spouse is finally beginning to get on the path and begin to make some of the changes you've been praying for. But still, if your husband's going to be a different kind of man, that requires that you become a different kind of woman, a different kind of wife. And it's very, very difficult to change together. But it's a necessity in the spiritual life. Even in church, if I truly could catch fire, and if the Lord would start a fire, a fire revival in me, do you understand? You all would have two options. You'd have to either have to catch fire also, or you'd have to quench me. But... It's just impossible for us to change without each other. Relationships are inevitably sometimes a stronghold for the devil because they make it very difficult to change. Not to mention the fact that even if I could forget some of the things I've done, you all never would. People just don't, they don't forget. You can talk about addictions somehow, physical reasons that it becomes very, very difficult to, to escape the patterns and behaviors of the past. Those are real, physical addictions. And those of us who don't know addiction can hardly, hardly understand the, the, the incredible, incredible bondage of addiction. But, but these are the ways that the devil continues to draw us and, and keep us in, in, a, in a place of, of sin. But here's the message. This is the the absolute beautiful part. Go to verse 21 with me. But God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right. That's the change. So that we could become the the, the righteousness of God through Christ. It's amazing. God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right through God in, in Christ. Paul's talking about what God has done to reconcile us. And this is exactly what he did, step by step. What did God do to make us right with God? What's it say? Verse 21. God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, to become sin itself, Paul says. He made Christ, who knew no sin, to become sin itself so that we could become the righteousness of God of God through Christ. yeah. This is how it happens. It's what God has done for us through Christ. It's done for us. And notice how Paul uses the language so that we could be made right. It's this incredible sense in which this is already true in the spiritual realm. When God looks at me, he looks at me as if I'm fully finished on this path. He sees me as if I am as right before God as Christ is. That's how he sees me. He doesn't see my sin, He doesn't see my hopelessness, He doesn't see me for all my flaws. God looks at me and sees me with the righteousness of Christ. He made Christ, who knew no sin, to become sin itself so that I, I could have the righteousness of Christ. That's amazing, that's unreal, but but that is the truth, that's what God brings to us through Christ. I have his righteousness. I am, in God's eyes, as right with him as Christ is, holy. However, I'm not exactly that yet. I'm not there yet. It's this incredible tension what we live between what what, what God says we are, what he he purchased for us, and then the everyday reality of my life, still trying to die to the old self, still trying to live this new life that Christ purchased for me. These clothes we talked about this morning, these clothes that I put on that it seems like I never grow tall enough to fit. Puts this righteousness on me that I am so unworthy of and so unpracticed in. But understand, verse 18, all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to Himself through Christ. God has given us this task of reconciling people to Him. For God was in Christ. Reconciling the world to himself. No longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. It's just absolutely, absolutely stunning. That that truly, whoever is in Christ is a brand new person. Brand new person. The old things are passed away. New things have come. Everything old is passed away. Everything now has become new. That is something we all long for it's something that in the everyday mess of our lives it sometimes seems so far away but but we can never give up on that we can never stop desiring to die to self and live for Christ we can never ever get to the point where we where we stop longing for this change to take place where I truly begin to live with the righteousness that, that Christ purchased for me bottom line The the change that Christ promises is is real and and it is certain, it's it's certain, it's it's not questionable that I'll ever be like Christ. Christ is going to have the victory in my life. He's already died and purchased it with his blood. He will fulfill all of his purposes in me and you too, do you understand this? It's not a question. The angels aren't standing on tiptoe in heaven waiting to see how you turn out, you understand? My salvation is complete. And the holiness that that, that Christ brings me, the righteousness that he brings me, it's, it's certain. It's certain. There are no questions here. So whenever you begin to wonder if change is possible for you, whenever you begin to doubt that, understand you're doubting that is a genuine insult to the gospel. It is a genuine affront to God Who promises that anyone in Christ, there is a new creation. Not there might be, there's some days there will be, some days there won't be. That there is a new creation. The old things have passed away. You must never doubt this. You must never fall for the lie that the devil feeds you when he tells you that you can never change. You're being changed. You're going to change. And Christ is going to have his way with you. Don't ever give up on it. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The the changes that you crave, the sins that you need to abandon, the brokenness in your life that Christ needs to heal. Do you understand all of this? All of this will happen because Christ makes it possible. The other side of this, of course, is that we, having experienced this, Verse 19, God gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we're Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Since we live this story, since we live this change, since we understand the the new creation that Christ makes possible, then we have this new privilege to share this message with the world. Now, on the one hand, there's the other lie from the devil. He tells us that the world doesn't want to hear it. I I insist that they do. I insist that the message that you really can change, that the message that you really can find forgiveness, that you can be a brand new person, that you really can find once and for all separation from your past, I insist that that is the message that the world longs to hear. And when we ourselves truly believe it, when we ourselves truly give ourselves to the gospel, live it out in our everyday lives, when the message of Christ dwells richly in us, as it says in Colossians, when we reach that point, I have a feeling we will really understand what it means to be Christ ambassadors. We will be living proof in a world every day that the kind of change that Christ promises is absolutely possible. It is a lie from the devil when he tells you that you can't change. Christ is going to make you just like him. So, let's die to our old selves. Let's live for him. Let him have his way. Any final thoughts? Anything? Andrew, I think we got a song to close. Uh, We'll uh, have a final prayer, and then uh, we're going to undecorate this church. If you can stand around and... uh, if you're not afraid to climb a ladder, we need to. Uh, let's stand together. Let's uh, be dismissed with a